Live from Questacon, at the opening of the Tim Sheens Experience, it's the Rugby League Cemetery. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, and apologies for the whiplash, but we are charging forward in time this week. We've spent a lot of time in the 90s over the previous four episodes, but today we're moving forward to 2010. Uh, hard to believe that was 10 years ago, but the Roosters 19, the West Tigers 15, the qualifying final from 2010, a modern classic, a modern masterpiece, we called it on Facebook through the week, uh, and who could disagree with that? It's an incredible game, made even more incredible on the second viewing 10 years later. I think you would agree. Uh, the context for this game, of course, was that the Tigers had had quite a remarkable season in their history. They finished third. This wasn't the Tigers' insurrection from the bottom half of the table or anything like this. They were genuine premiership contenders that season. They finished third on 34 points. The Roosters, by contrast, who would all, you know, you expect every year to be in the top four, they'd finished sixth, albeit only on 32, so only two behind. Uh, a very congested table that season, a very strange table if you go through it. Uh, Wayne's uh, Dragons had finished on top by a few points, though, on 38. But then you had Penrith, the Tigers, the Gold Coast as the top four. Then the Warriors, the Roosters, Canberra and Manly rounding out the top eight. A very strange season in the competition. And, uh, and Gazzy, I, I should mention before we go on to that, that uh, the Tigers didn't know this yet, but if they had lost... Uh, if they had won, they would have gone through to the preliminary final from third. And if the Roosters had lost, they'd have been out because of the McIntyre system as it was at the time. Uh, Gaz, this is just a very strange combination of teams to be playing in a final, isn't it? When you look at the actual squads, it seems like the roles should be reversed. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, watching a game today where you play the Tigers are playing the Roosters in a, in a final, I think where we sort of all know who finished third and who finished um, sixth and, and who's going to go in as favourite and dominate the game. So it certainly is strange and it's made even stranger, I think. This is, uh, it really is the mad genius of the coaches. If you look at that, if you want to talk about the real, um, you know, there's been some odd coaches over the years, but you want to talk the real good ones that were mad. Sheens, Shifty Sheens and Brian Smith are at the top of that list. They are fantastically mad, fantastically totally, talented coaches. Totally, totally gaga. Oh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I think that might be a, a, a good place for us to start. I, I'd like to talk about what I call a quintessential Brian Smith team list. And we yes. saw one in the 98 preliminary. <laughs> um, let me run you through a few things and, and get your thoughts. So, firstly, Brayton Nasta is playing edge back row. Yep. Uh, which is highly unusual. Frank uh, Paul Wrecking Ball, the great Frank Nuasala, uh, is playing prop, which doesn't strike you as odd, only that he played on the edge back row all season and in the you know, finals masterstroke has inexplicably been moved into the middle <laughs> because Brian Smith just can't play. You go five minutes without, you know, no. changing what he's doing. And perhaps my favourite of all is uh, Orbo, James Orbison, starting hooker and the benching of friend. It's good that. historically, I think, stands up pretty strongly. Can I say, I, you say that I was always very fond of James Orbison. I always thought he was a very good player and quite underrated. But it does, like, when you think about it now, 
and you probably look at the sort of game Jake Friend had, it does seem very odd <laughs> that he was brought in because you're absolutely right. I, this is, I don't think there is a Roosters team in my time watching football that has had so many players that I really liked in it. And that so many, <laughs> no, seriously, you, you, they're always, they're, they're always these, they, they always have this kind of villainous quality, but this is not that kind of Roosters team. There are some guys in there like Phil Graham, who I thought was a really good player, uh, Todd mm. Carney, James Orbison, um, that, that are just the guys that you actually really enjoy watching. There's no, there's no big star in this team, is there? There's no Tedesco or Cooper Cronk or Fitler or anything like that. Well, I think the thing is that there's not 10 stars. I think that's what you enjoy about. Yeah. <laughs> Which, right. you, you cop Fitler or Tedesco. What, what buggers people up is Tedesco, Cronk, Latrell, yeah. Mitchell, you know, and going through those Warrior Hargraves and a lot of them all playing together. But um, you're right. It, it is. It, it's a very cobbled together side of quite good players. And James Orbison was a good player, but yeah, historically... Uh, next to friend, it seems a bit odd, but yeah, they 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 do have that sort of thing. You've got a young Rhea Hargraves coming yeah. off the bench before he was, before he was villainous. He became villainous in the middle um, later on. Fantastic footballer, but he probably sort of wasn't a villain at this stage of his career, was he? Frank Paul Wrecking Ball was great. Every, anyone who didn't like him doesn't yeah. like the game in the right way. I think even, it's fair to say. Even Minicello like was at the end of his career. There's no like, there's none of those really big diamond superstars in the team you know it is it's it is very kind of put together um i think you wanted well, to talk Mini, about yeah yeah mini was a funny one because i hated minicello minicello is one of the best fullbacks i've ever seen and I, I quite badly loathed him when he was that human pinball at the start of his career bouncing off and just fantastic but he had such serious injuries he sort of ended up rooting for him by this point yeah. he, he'd come back off missing a whole year and keyhole surgery in his back and he sort of couldn't dislike the guy for for getting his, himself back on the field and being competitive and getting yeah. the origin again and playing and he's a really good, by sure. this point he's much he's, he's nowhere near as electric but he's a very good pro and he's in the right positions and mm. he, he makes a makes a really good second career for himself after that after that yeah. injury uh, the Tigers side, I think you you would agree, is also very odd, Gazzy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a um, I think it's a great example when you want to look through the Tigers' career, and, and sometimes people go, "Oh, they're a bit all over the shop in that sort of peak era, that Benji Farrer era." And this is such a quintessential Tigers team list for that that era. You've got you've got Brown at fullback, Daniela in the centres with Ashford, and um, old Lottie and Bo Ryan. On, on the wing. It's just so cobbled together. And when you go through the forwards, um, I wanted to talk about how good Gareth Ellis is because he's fantastic. But there's no origin forwards. There's no nope. Australian forwards in that team. So you've got this side where they've got Benji and they've got Robbie Farrow, who, to be fair, wasn't playing rep football at that point either. Um, it's, or was just coming through to rep football, I should say, around those, those, that era. They, um, they don't have really anyone else that you would be writing home about at all, apart from Ellis, the English import. There's just a whole heap of players that tend to be a lot of teams sort of like, you know, the last few guys that fill aside or the guys that are in your squad, aren't there? There's a lot of guys that, you it's know... Funny. It's funny. It's, it's, it's you're, you're not thrilled to have. Yeah. It's a game with a lot of... On both sides, it's a game with a lot of good players and very few great ones. Mm. Like the, there's, There are very yeah. few bad players in this game, but there's a lot of guys who were good and you remember well if you watched but who weren't who would never be considered the hall of fame players or anything like that like it's a it's a real um yeah it's a really strange finals game yeah and that that's right i don't want to undersell some of those guys either because no. they have long careers i just mean they were honest players like you're not upset to have them but you're not you don't 
sign some of these guys. If you know, we, we follow the Knights and they say we, you've signed some of these guys. You, it, it doesn't fill you with all this excitement that they're coming. And you certainly, you might not loathe having them, but they, you know what I mean? They're just not those yeah. guys you look on the sheet and go, oh yeah, well, you feel he's really gonna, good. You've got this guy playing for you. He's going to do it for us. And yeah, yeah. He's going to change the game. That. And yeah, that they, they had a lot of that. And it's probably a product, you know, this was a, a great side. Um, and I think there's been a few great sides like that. I mean that this was a great era. We're having Benji and Robbie. And it reminds me a little bit of the mid-2000s Knights sort of really good side. Where you, what you do is when you have these non-power clubs that have a player like Andrew Johns or Benji Marshall, when they don't come through at the Roosters or the Bulldogs <laughs> yeah. or the Broncos, what you end up getting is these outstanding all-time talents playing with some fairly unusual players. Like Darren Lockyer didn't play with a lot of players, like right. a lot of backlines, like Brown, Ryan, Daniela Ashford. Brad Fitley didn't play a lot of, a lot of those backlines. But when you get a, a, you know, a Benji or a Joey and even a Thurston to an extent at some stages in North Queensland, you yeah, get Stacey Jones example. is one. Yep. Yeah, you, you get, get them kind of making something, making yeah. something off of otherwise fairly battling kind of parts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a good you comparison. Yeah. I think it's a little bit odd to see all these guys in a final, but you know, Benji's carrying them there, and it's yeah, um, yeah it, it is, it is very funny. And the the system, the McIntyre, this 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 particular, so this McIntyre system is so funny because mm-hmm. nobody knows what these games mean going into them. Like the way the second McIntyre system have got in place now you know that if you win from the top four in the first week, you get the week off and you're in the third week, or you know in the bottom half that you're out. These games, you didn't, so the Roosters went in. This was only the second game. The first game was fourth versus fifth the night before. So the Roosters, the two sides below them hadn't played yet. They didn't know. If they lost, they could be out. They might not. They didn't know. The Tigers didn't know if this game was for a place in the next in the third week or not. It must have... It, it's just... a you you get to the end of this game and you don't know what the result means. It's bizarre. Yeah, I can um, sum that up for you with a beautiful Ray Warren quote from the game, if you'd like to hear it. Okay, so this is Rab's mid-game. First half. So the Tigers get off to that start and it looks like they might win. And Rab's comes out with this. The Tigers win and Penrith are beat and the Saints win. The Tigers and Saints will go to the prelim. (laughs) (laughs) I just think... Yeah, sorry for the doesn't help. Warren, but it doesn't. It's, <laughs> yeah, so many moving parts to that. So just yeah. going, going right out. It, it just um, what a system to play the sport under. It, it, I know. You know you go from this top five to this to the top ten we had last time we looked at it to this, and they finally settled on something where, for whatever faults exist in the current system, you do actually know what happens. Yeah, and, it, and it's quite it's it, quite it, intuitive. Yeah. That, yeah, I. It's very funny. I, I remember watching this a couple of times, and you look at Sheens, for example, and mm. he doesn't he he doesn't know how upset to be. Because he doesn't, you know, and um, it, it's, I, I don't know why they ever settled on this as the system, given that the, the other one existed at the exact same time it was used in the AFL. Um, mm. But there is a lot of pre-match hype around this game. It's funny to hear it now. I heard it in the commentary as the teams ran out and it kind of, I found it a bit jarring at the time. They talk, they really talk up the Benji Marshall versus Todd Carney battle mm. because Carney had just won the Dally M. And it feels like, mm. That's a bit of a marker of what sort of game this was. Remembering that this was the season Melbourne had been kicked out. So it's not, and it's almost like, apart from the Dragons who win the comp with this really dogged style, they only conceded 299 points all year. Every other side 
is a bit like the Tigers and the Roosters. They're a bit spare parts. They've got some good players. They haven't got many great players. Um, and a lot of them are in the finals that would... Like the Titans finished fourth, the Warriors finished fifth. It's very unusual. And they're sides that wouldn't ordinarily expect to be there. Yeah, look, I think that's that's probably about right. So it was the, it was a very dominant era at the uh, the Storm. And if you look around who was around the competition at that time, like where were the great players? So the best couple of players in the world were probably Thurston and Marshall. And the Cowboys mm. haven't had a good year. Um, aside from that, they're, you know, a lot of the good players were at the Storm because they were cheating the salary cuts. They yeah. had most of, the, most of the elite players in the competition and you probably had Manly who happened. So Manly and the Cowboys are probably two teams where Manly having the halves that they did, they're probably the two teams that you thought might have the players to take advantage and they just didn't happen to have good seasons um, yeah. either of those sides and really. So Brisbane. you come through, yeah, Brisbane too, yeah. Well, and um, Brisbane missed the eight. Brisbane with Lockyer yeah. missed the eight. Uh, Parramatta right. missed the eight. Canterbury miss it. North Queensland miss it and the Storm are kicked out. So it's this very democratic competition where all all the eight sides are good but not great. A lot of the big dogs aren't there. Yeah, yeah. The, the guys that you, you turn to in those games, those halves aren't, aren't there. And, it yeah, it does play that way. I mean, Todd Carney... Um, had every right to think that he was going to go on to be one of one of those yeah. class of player, and and he had. <laughs> it's not because he couldn't do it that he that he didn't. Um, certainly yeah. not because he didn't have the ability. And 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 Benji was the best player in the world. So I suppose while historically looking back, it seems a bit that way. But Benji was at the at the peak of his powers, and and yeah. Toddy was was coming for him. He's one of Dally M, and he's a young guy on the comeback and doing a great job. So I suppose, you know, it could have turned out, we could have looked back on this very differently if things didn't end the way they did for Benji at the Tigers and, and Toddy uh, got himself together. together. Yeah, we might have looked at it a bit different. But um, I'll tell you one else other thing that struck out at me while we're sort of on that and it being an odd game. We've talked about the madness of um, Brian Smith and, and Shifty Sheens and the team list. Yeah. Um, the mad genius of Sheens, I think, needs... As we flow through the game, I'll be a little hard to sort of focus on interchanges. Yeah, I'll be raising it. I, I promise you I'll yeah. be raising it later on. Um, oh, are you going to mention Andrew Fafita not coming on until the 70th minute? Is that part of your analysis? It's one. It's one. <laughs> I just want to talk about Ben murdoch Masilla being debuted in a final. Yeah. Um, having never played before and coming into this final where they don't know what the game means, they debut him in a final having never played before comes on after 50 minutes and plays most of the game out. Yeah, at, no, at 19. Yeah, I know you want to talk about commentary a little bit before we get into the game. Um, ah, yes. Yeah, there is a lot of talk from Rabs. He, he mentions it repeatedly that Ben Murdoch Masilla has been talked about by the people mm. at Kebra Park High School as the best junior since Benji Marshall, oh, yeah. which I did. Yeah. yeah, contrasting styles, but there's a lot of hype around Ben Murdoch Masilla. Um, did, you, did you have anything from uh, the, this is a, a rare game in the modern era in the last probably 15 years where you've got rabbits, Sturlo and Fatty Vorton. Yeah, that's the best commentary team in the history of the sport. I, think um, that's I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I, I God, it was good. It was so good to hear them doing it. They, they just are, aren't they? <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of moments early on, and we, we're kind of moving into the game a little bit, but mm. the, Frank Paul Nuwasala gets clobbered twice in the first couple of minutes of the game. And Sturlow, mm. to his eternal credit, says, yeah, he's copped a couple of big shots early on, Mitch Orbison. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's a, an easy mistake to make. I would have liked to see Frank Paul play halfback in a grand final. Well, <laughs> 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 it's true. Yeah, in the seven. Yeah. Rabbits also confuses Benji and Jeff Daniella, which I thought was a nice touch. Well, it happens to all of us. It yeah, does. that can happen. Um, what else? What else you got from the commentators? Oh, geez, I've got a few. Uh, while we're on Ben Medoc Masilla, Rabs also had an absolute belter because um, you mentioned he kept bringing up the best junior at Keeper Park. He also yeah. mentioned three times that when they found him, he was 140 kilos. I did, yeah. And then tosses this out. This is even better. That was funny. Yeah. Then he tosses out, oh, yeah, he was 140 kilos. Then they go, oh, the Tigers spotted him over in New Zealand. It would be hard not to spot him. <laughs> 140 kilos. It's good that they spotted him <laughs> 140 kilos and thought yeah. we're going to make a first-grade footballer of him. We could, we could throw yeah. him into a final <laughs> in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in his mid-teens. Yeah, he sort of got everything says he's ready to rock. But, yeah, no, yeah. I thought that was good. But, no, th- there were some, some crackers. I, as I said, this team, uh, this commentary team, I just find wonderful. Um, Sterlow, I think there's, there's two Sterlow comments worth mentioning. I think yep. the first one is in the punch-up, which we'll get to Sterlow launching it as a fracar. I thought it was very good. <laughs> Repeatedly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Repeated calls a fracar. <laughs> Yeah, being, call, being called out for that sort of thing by Fatty Vorton for your grammar's always so good. <laughs> yeah, he says to me, he and, says, uh, what, yeah. why don't you call it a fracker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Um, Sterlo's other one that I just, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I, I don't know if it's as funny as I think it is, but yeah. Braith and Nasta kicks the, the kick out of, out in the full in the second half. And yeah. Sterlo goes, that's a real surprise because generally, like, they're the most meticulous at their restarts. <laughs> It just strikes me as a stunningly yeah. odd comment. He also, Sterlo also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> according to our analysis, yeah, Sterlo also yeah. said that Mitch Brown was an unsung hero, which I was quite keen on because yeah. you kind of, yeah. it, it, unsung hero really is, is a term for someone who has very minimal impact on the game but doesn't mess up too mm. much. Billy Peden was always yeah. getting called an unsung hero. Yeah. It was always, it's like... Yeah, Sean Fenson, Sean his Fenson, Canberra days. Yeah. yeah, that kind of yeah, good, that kind of thing. Quiet, you know? that was weird. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of that sort of thing, like kind of. Yeah, yeah. Mitch Brown um, in the fall yeah. playing at fullback yeah. because of Wade McKinnon being. I forgot Wade McKinnon played for the Tigers. I'm ashamed to say, but anyway. So did I. Yeah, I remembered once I saw it, and I was pleased to remember. It's one of the great things about this project. It is. Uh, Another one, just quickly, before I get to a fatty special, I just wanted to toss out very quickly that Sterlo also referred to Keith Galloway as Ronaldo twice. He did, yeah. Uh, based on him putting a kick in. And I just think that it warrants mentioning. It wasn't particularly funny. Just that I think in any context where Keith Galloway analogies to Ronaldo, I'm not sure yeah. which Ronaldo. Possibly yeah. Fat Ronaldo was Possibly, the one yeah. he was referring to. When he had the triangle shape said, into his head, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, I just think it warrants mentioning that that was I think said. that's fair, yeah. And, and, and look, I won't, I won't hold us up too much longer on the commentary, but we don't get a lot of fatty these days. Yeah. And, and I just, I can't let it go on without just mentioning that like, he's one of the greatest commentators of all time. He commentates a high tackle at one point in the game by tossing out, oh, that was a whooshker around the chops. It doesn't mean anything. They're not words. <laughs> I love him. I just, he, yeah. he's just, he is, he is just <laughs> such a great person. He tosses out, he tosses out a really... <laughs> He tosses out a really belted English accent at one point as well about Gareth Ellis in relation to Gareth Ellis's <laughs> father being at the game, which they mentioned repeatedly throughout the call. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it is a key, key selling point, Gareth, Gareth Ellis's Gareth father. Gareth old man being there somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I, I'm glad that you've raised this because there is, yeah, you, I was glad we were able to find it with the original commentary, I must say, because you do, you miss out on these things. Um, mm. 
Now, if we if we turn to the game a little bit, um, like just start to move through it, that I think it would be fair to say that in the first 20 minutes, well, the Tigers come into it having come third. They're only a couple of wins off the lead. They didn't. They weren't the razzle dazzle Tigers. That's the important thing to remember about this game is that they were not. They had let in. They'd only scored 20 more points than the Dragons this throughout this season. They weren't. This was a much more contained, kind of sensible, professional Tigers side, I thought, than many of the ones from, say, that you remember from 2005 or from years before that. Still with moments, but not that kind of chucking it around madly for the whole game. And in the first 20 minutes, they completely dominate the game without really doing anything out of the ordinary. There's no jinking, stepping, chip and chase, any of this. They're just a better side. They're better in the forwards. They make more ground. And on... I've got four separate occasions in the first 25 minutes they should score and don't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's, um, I think there's three disallowed and a held up. And one of the disallowed yeah. possibly is a held up as well, but there's a held up that doesn't go to the video ref. So three disallowed and held up. Um, and you're right, look, they don't, they don't, it's not all out of their own half and, and off wild passing. I mean, they're adventurous by today's standards. If you watch oh, the sure. final today, that's not played by quite like that but at the same time it was a lot more contained than some of the stuff you have seen from them that they were just better this is um we've watched a lot of games with inexplicable results this is the this is the most inexplicable one i've seen i have absolutely no concept of how they didn't win that game doesn't make any sense doesn't doesn't make any sense no it Um, doesn't they, they just they were so much better than them um they um i think you know we'll go through individual sort of stuff at the moment but to illustrate what you're saying um, and this all flowed off the first 20 minutes. They went into halftime at 21 sets to 13 yeah. with six dropouts, four line breaks to zero, two tries, three disallowed and a held up with 60% of the ball. And most yeah. of that was the first 20 minutes. Most of the positive stuff was in the first 20. Um, they just dominated the football totally. It was, yeah. I, I can't believe they didn't win. <laughs> no, it's unbelievable. The, 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 they should, the game should be over after a quarter of an hour or, or 20 minutes. Gareth Ellis, remarkably... Is held up over the line, or is has tries taken off him three times in the first eleven minutes in the back row. Yeah, he drops, look, he drops it yeah. over the line, gets it knocked out by Carney when he's through and about to score. Mm. Then he gets held up over the line of a grubber from Farrah, which I think is the one that Galloway Ronaldo's, and then the third one, which I think is probably the one that warrants the most discussion. There's a kick from Farrow, which Sean Kennedale, completely Sean Kennedale's. <laughs> Gareth Ellis falls. Well point. Thank you. Gareth Ellis falls on it, but they have to go back. They do. They have to go back because they're 5'8". They're Mercurial 5'8", and uh, the best player in the world, or at least the equal best player in the world, has inexplicably tried to deck Mitchell Pierce after playing the ball and the, the halfback and the 5'8 are just punching on for no reason. It's like incredible. The, uh, the skilled players of the game, the halfback and the 5'8 are just punching on fairly badly, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they I think, to play the ball. Yeah. And there's no reason why, like there's not really, Pierce kind of holds him a bit long. He's got an arm over his, um, kind of over his shoulder, but there's nothing obvious to suggest why Benji reacted like that. I don't I, I don't look at it and go, oh, yeah, well, I can see why he was annoyed by that. Because he never, it's, I think, I, I don't remember him having another fight in any game. I, he had one in the, in the McDonald's car park. That's about it. Like, he's not, yeah, gonna, he's not yeah. a player with a rep for throwing punches. 
No, no, I'm not sure what it was. Whether PC was a fairly young bloke, whether he being being Benji didn't take much liking to getting a bit of rough treatment from a young half coming through. Yeah, possibly. Or, you know, like Pierce had a lot of raps on him coming through and stuff. I, I don't know, but it was very strange. But the, the Gareth Ellis thing, the, the three, that being the weirdest, I, I thank God we watched this because I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I knew the result and I knew the ending and I knew how mad it was, but I'd forgotten that a back row inexplicably went over three times for three disallowed tries in the first 11 minutes. And I was I'm glad was to really remember it now. Yeah. Oh, I just couldn't stop laughing. It was fantastic. Sorry, Tigers. No, just... it is. Yeah. That, <laughs> there's also, can I just say one more thing about the Benji punching on with Mitchell Pierce? That say many more things. Robbie, Robbie Farrar comes over to the referee. So they, this, this, they caused the try to be disallowed. So the, the ref goes back and says, no, 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 it's, it's a penalty to the Roosters for Benji punching Pierce repeatedly in the jaw. Robbie Farrow comes over and speaks to, to speak to the referee and says, no, 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 he was crowding the ruck. He was crowding the ruck. I think suggesting that that <laughs> was just like the reason why Benji had thrown the punch. Is there a suggestion that Benji was a real stickler for like ruck etiquette and that it had like it really upset him that Pierce was in there crowding it and that therefore he had <laughs> carte blanche to throw as many punches as he wants and it should be play on? Are you suggesting the June Dally Watkins of Rucks was That's probably just stickler for it? I just, I just, it just strikes me as a really, really specious argument for saying you should be able to throw a punch. Play on, anyway. Sturlo, Sturlo tossed out that it didn't have any effect on the play. One of the try awarded. I yeah. really love when Sturlo does. He does stuff like that a lot. He's a real like really hates referee intervention. Like yeah. the fact that Benji's just clobbered a bloke on the head who's at marker and they score out wide. He's really of the view that if Pierce wouldn't have got there, it should all just be like let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, just get on with it. Yeah, the fact that yeah, there's this wild fracas going on in the background, just play on. Uh, anyway, so it's, it's the first points in the game inexplicably after all of this are scored by the Roosters. And Todd Carney, who has barely had a touch in the game, they finally get down the Tigers' end of the field in the, the 19th minute. And Todd Carney gets really whacked over the top by uh, Gareth Ellis. Uh, and after a video review, they give a penalty and it's 2-0. Um, but even then, you, I mean, the Roosters haven't fired a shot. No, they absolutely haven't. Um, it's... It, <laughs> It was the fact that it was two 0 was astounding. What was really funny was that Sturlow, again, not to keep picking on him because I love him to death, was really advocating for them trying to score, and like <laughs> they'd been run off their feet, had no yeah. ball, been clobbered pillar to post, hadn't put anything on, and they get this high tackle and get this chance to go ahead, and he's really advocating they've got to take the six because there won't be many chances. Well, and I mean, I never take the penalty goal. You and I are really adamant non penalty goal takers, but that was the most easy yeah. decision in the world. You've been beaten off the field repetitively and held up three guys, you know, over the line. Like you're on the, you're dead set bleeding and you get a chance to just breathe for a second and go two nil. You're sort yeah. of taking it, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. But, but I, even after that, the Tigers finally break them. They get held up over the line again. Aishford gets held up stunningly by Minicello with, the, with mm. his shins. It's an incredible hold up. But then finally, at last, they, uh, they get out on the left where they'd been attacking the whole game and they go over through big old Lottie back from Rugby Union. Rabs makes a good call that Lottie two years ago would have thought he was playing in the Bledisloe Cup tonight, which doesn't really make a huge amount yeah. of sense, but is a very good call. Yeah. It's a really odd thing to say. And the giveaway possibly might have been when he got out there and sort of saw Phil Graham or something. It might have worked out. He wasn't playing the All Blacks. Worked. It wasn't <laughs> the Bloods Like Cup. Yeah. 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 Phil Graham. That would be a gold <laughs> glass of water. Um, and <laughs> And then the Tigers, and then the Tigers score again in the thirty-sixth minute, 
uh, a really nice backline move um, with mm. Benji and Robert Louis and Bo Ryan finally goes past the couple to go over. And it's 10-2. And they go into half time at 10-2. And it's, even though they've, like, even though they've had all these tries disallowed and they've had all these chances that they had taken off them, they're still going to win. They're like, they're 10-2 in front. They're having all the running. They've now finally broken them. It's, you know, it's not going to matter. Yeah, no, that's right. That's exactly right. They, 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 the penalty goal doesn't change the game. The Tigers get back on their roll. They score tries. Um, it was a nice try to Ryan in the corner. Bo Ryan was just for the record. I really don't like him. I think his stuff's not funny on the football show. I don't think he was a good player. His whole profile's overrated. So I was annoyed to see him score it. I'm really just not I, a fan. I would like to break yeah. ranks on that. In that yeah. I agree with you that he was a real, like a real cretin on the footy show. But yeah. he, I quite liked him as a player because he was one of those old-time wingers with no speed or physicality who did a job. <laughs> like he was a real kind of... He was quite an honest... He was not a bad winger. He's sort of and saying that, what I said. Yeah, but turning it into a positive. He's sort of yeah. saying what I said, but saying it was a positive. I, I'm yeah. suggesting he had no power and no speed, and that was a bad thing. I'm <laughs> suggesting if they had Taniella Tuaki, well, they would have won. There would have been no extra time. I'll tell you what, I, mentioned, I neglected to mention the crowd figure of uh, 33,315. Let me tell you, it would have been a lot higher if Taniella Tuiaki had been on one wing and Lottie on the other. That would have got him in. Been, there would have been two more, you and I would Yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. Um, but there is no hint at half time that the Roosters are going to win the game. They, they haven't fired a shot. Um, None. Yeah. And then. They're noticeably off the eight ball. This isn't a yeah, game. Yeah, they're gone. Where, I mean, their defence was fantastic because it takes a lot to save those yeah. tries. And Benji was having a cracking game. He made line breaks. He set stuff up. They, they were playing well and the Roosters were great in defence. They deserve a lot of credit, but they were no chance of winning the game. They couldn't get out of their own end. They had no speed or power coming out of that end. Um, you know, that probably something to do with the fact that they had Minicello post-back surgery playing back there with Perrett and Graham yeah. doesn't give you a lot of thrust. Yeah. Um, their forwards weren't getting over the advantage line well at all. Jason Riles had a good game. He was playing well. The rest of them weren't getting forward. They weren't getting over the advantage line. They couldn't get down the other end. The kicking game was no good, and the Tigers kept rolling down there. Um, to sum it briefly, they were no hope of winning the game. They were just off the pace. And off Todd the pace Carney totally. and the Dalian Player of the Year, who was the great white hope, who had completely changed their season. Mm. When they, when they moved him to five to five eight, um, hadn't done anything because he hadn't. They hadn't. He hadn't had a chance. He hadn't even got the ball. Um, no, he had no opportunities. At he had all. one they touch and got clobbered around the head. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't. Um, they couldn't get the ball going forward whatsoever. They couldn't get any quick play of the balls, any momentum, um, and that. Yeah, Cody couldn't fire a shot. Pierce uh, was a non-event. Um, Brace didn't get any chances out in the edge. There's nothing happening. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. There's not. There's just no <laughs> yeah. signs. Um, one team in the game. One team in the game. Very brave. That's what you say. They were brave yeah. and off the pace. And very and quite quite kind of professional. You know, they keep getting there and getting to hold the ball up and all this stuff. But that's as much as you can say. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I want to just take a moment to appreciate. Um, we're really not worthy of Benji Marshall. Uh, he doesn't. He has a, He has quite a good game in the first half. He doesn't do too much. But off the kickoff for the second half, Todd Payton catches the kickoff. For some reason, passes to Benji, who I assume had called for it. And Benji throws a 20-metre pass to Robert Louis, which bounces before <laughs> it gets to him five metres out from his own line. We're not worthy of that kind of utter, utter, demented madness. Um, and I'm just so grateful. It's moments like that that make me grateful mm. that Benji Marshall was created. 
you and I have spoken a bit about the accord before and who broke yeah. it. Nobody broke it for Benji. Benji never broke it. The accord no. of you just try it on at all times. At some point it went out of the game and, you know, Benji just stayed unionised. He wouldn't go. <laughs> he's just, he's, just a, he's never changed. He, he played no. like everyone did in the 70s and 80s and 90s and he wanted to throw a long ball. He thought there was an opportunity to throw a long ball. You throw a long ball. I don't care where you are in the field. I don't care. Yeah. He might not catch it. It's going to bounce. Um, I'm glad yeah, you brought up Todd Payton on that note, if we're going yes. to talk a chord. Sure. Um, I was very disappointed. Uh, I don't usually say this, but I was very disappointed Phil Gould wasn't on commentary because we were robbed of an, an pristine opportunity to hear that yep. Todd Payton was a, a, a half halfback in a prop's, in a prop's body. body. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just thought that should be tossed out. Yeah, oh, he would have. He would have mentioned it. There's no risk in the world. I know. I said it repeatedly no. during the game, just sitting here watching it at home. Um, Rightly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he wasn't. He didn't have a bad game, Todd Payton. There was a moment. Is he quiet, Todd Payton? Yeah, just after um, just after half time, there's a, a long kick downfield. I think from Farah, uh, and they managed to pin Minicello a couple of metres out from his own line. Benji comes through and gets him, and Minicello gets away, and then Todd Payton's the second man there. To chase off this yeah. big Farrah kick, a lot of that he had a real. Um, he made some really good efforts in the game as well as having that bit of skill. Um, oh yeah, I think he's worth he's worth talking about. I, I had this real feeling um, when I was watching the game, watching him and watching Chris Heinington, um, and watching the different sorts of players. But there was a few players like that in the game there. Well, I, I what I really lament is the longer that time's gone on. <laughs> there's a lot of at the moment. There's a lot of really good footballers. And a lot of filler, stodgy filler. But what you yeah. get now is you get players who do a job really stodgily. I don't want to pick on anyone, um, like, say, Frank Winterstein or something. But, like, players that just stand on the field and really stodgily do something. And then other players who are just great and, and do all this work. And you get not a lot of in-between. You're a rep player or you really are filling a role. Yeah. And at one time, there was a lot of skilled, good footballers who didn't play rep football. Yeah. And... Todd Payton was never really any risk of breaking into some of those Australian sides or the New South Wales team, but he was a clever player who had something to offer. Like if you're playing against him, even if you're a good team, even if you're Brisbane or whoever, he could do something to you. He had a clever set of skills he could bring to the table that could work. Chris Heinington was a guy who, he should have played rep footy, but he didn't. And he could damage any team. He still had stuff to offer. And the further you go back, the more there was like that. It wasn't just this divide between these elite players and these guys that they really hammer into a specific role who were quite stodgy and just doing a job, if you like. And yeah. the Tigers had a lot of those guys there. And there's some on East side as well, to be honest, where you go, there was an era where you didn't have to have played 15 Origins to be a good player. There was really good players who never got the opportunity to play at those levels. That's absolutely right. And, and Huntington and Payton are great examples of that. And there's a moment in early in the second half, which brings that out, which I got written down here, where Farah goes roaming out a dummy half about on halfway and gets caught by the marker. So he throws the ball back inside. It's on last tackle. Um, Huntington gets it, throws a dummy, goes himself, finds Louie. Louie gets dragged, throws it over to... Um, uh, sorry, that's not right. Huntington dummies and disappears upfield. Yeah. Go, like, breaks through. Um, after after getting it from a lovely hit and spin from Todd Payton. Uh, and then he finds Louie back on the inside who gets dragged down about five metres out, throws it out the back. Benji can't pick it up. Um, fairly ordinary pass. But it was it was just a moment where they saw something on, just a little bit of football sense and, and made something happen, mm. despite it not really yeah. being their job in the team. Um, yeah, that's right. And then a few minutes after that, Aishford scores a, a, an appalling pass from Orbison for the intercept. 
I hope Frank Paul Newasawa didn't wear the blame for this. It would have been, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, would have been totally unfair. Um, because Orbison throws it straight to Ashford, who's just in the line. Like he's just he's sort of he's just in the it's a bit like um it's a bit like the, the Zureb one for, for Halligan uh, in the game we did last mm. week. Uh, and Ashford, who doesn't, I must say, show a huge amount of pace, gets away from Carney. He holds him up all the way. Surprising. Yeah, Carney ends up dragging him down and Ashford slams. It does show some presence of mind to get the ball down. Uh, but because of the good Carney chase, he's forced out wide and Benji misses the kick and it's 14-2. Uh, and it's still like yeah. that's... Again, the Roosters stayed close enough to be a chance. But when the Tigers score, then again, you think, oh, well, you know. Yeah, that, that's about right. Um, obviously, oh, there's a couple of things on that try. Firstly, we were speaking about how it was a weird game and a weird final series with Melbourne out and Brisbane not making it and, you know, the Thurston's and that not being there. If you want a good illustration of that, possibly the sentence, Orbison throws a bad intercept pass to Blake Ashford does say something about the game. Uh, generally, you're in a position where maybe not every game that you you play in, you get that sort of sentence. <laughs> it's like Orbison throwing intercept passes for Blake Ashton. Doesn't strike you as a doesn't strike you as a moment, a yeah. final defining moment. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> right. right. Um, Benji missed the goal. I, you know, we've picked a lot, just so people don't think we're being un- unfair because we're noted wildly pro Benji advocates. Um, I'm not going to pick on Benji's goal kicking like I have other kickers because the other missed goals were like, say, Daryl Halligan last yeah, time. What we were sort of out in focusing. Front. Yeah, yeah ben- Benji was an abysmal goal kicker. Was, yeah. He sort of just kicked goals because he was the best player and he was like, oh, yeah, I'll kick goals. He was notoriously they just didn't uh, have anyone. a bad they, goal kicker. The Tigers yeah. have never had a goal kicker. Like, if you think about the for the last mm. 10 years, they haven't. They don't have one now. So they don't seem to have... Mm. They've always the best one they ever have was Hodgson. Pretty yeah, much after Hodgson, right. it's yeah. all just been these makeshift goal kickers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's being a bit harsh on their son Masters, but I take your point. He kicked it. Oh, yeah, Masters was all right. He kicked at uh, 67% for that season, 2010. Yeah. yeah 76 yeah. from 114. Yeah. Yeah, so that was about the mean. He hit a couple of spurlers from the sideline, including one this game, but he was notoriously bad. Yeah, I sort of got him in the SR Masters Momorowski class of goal Yeah, kickers. yeah, SR. Um, I, love when, I do love when a really good um, player just decides to kick. You see it sometimes when someone's out and the, the next guy, like Dugan always chucked his hand out when someone's out to kick and go, oh yeah, I was always the best player in all my junior teams. I can kick goals. And he stunk. Kieran Foran's famous under the <laughs> under the crossbar goal where they had no goal kicker. And he's like, oh yeah, I'll kick That's for Kenny. I'm Kieran Foran. I can kick goals. I'm one of the nah. best sort of halves getting around. And I, I do Wrong. love that. Someone just going, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And just being just total <laughs> dross. Yeah, it is good that. Um, it's, it, you're right. It's not quite the same level of shock of, of Benji missing a couple from the sideline as it is from, say, Halligan, uh, missing no. from a long way wide. Yeah. Or missing from 35 out in front as he does right at the end of that game. Um, and then Anasta belts the kickoff dead. The Tigers are on the march. There's a Benji grubber that Graham makes a bit of a meal of. Ryan has a look at it and can't quite grab it. Carney turns the ball straight over. Farrah puts a drop goal over. And it's fifteen to two. They're, they're, the, the Roosters need three scores to to try. The drop goal possibly warrants discussion at what time th- of the game that was taken at. <laughs> yeah, fifty fourth minute. I, did at you fourteen the, two. Yeah, did you get the sense that um, 
did you get the same? So Farah, I don't think, was expecting the ball. And he kind of catches it, looks mm. up and says, oh, I'll put the one over. But I think Benji was in the pocket. So I think they were still looking to do it. They just gave it to the wrong guy. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't understand why. I mean, There's a separate question of whether issue. they should have been looking to do it. Yeah, they, they may well have been doing it. He did, they did mention that in the commentary and he might have been in the pocket, but it's hard. I don't want to put myself in Benji's head because God knows what he was going to do. Like, <laughs> might have been planning to do anything. <laughs> he possibly just stood there because it felt like it. I've got no idea. But it, it, it's a very odd decision. I mean, thank God for the history of the game they did it because we wouldn't be watching this game if they hadn't kicked the field goal. They would have either won or lost. But, um, it, you know, why? Like it, it, it's just, I don't know what to say about it. I've never seen someone up 14-2 with that long left in the game kick a field goal. It's Especially really at the, t- I think the timing, the, the, the other thing about the timing is that this was at a stage where they were, this was supposed to be the time in the game where they absolutely ran away. But they, and they were, they were rolling they were, like they'd, the field, yeah. they'd scored off the intercept, then the stupid kick dead off the kickoff. That's one of those things that really builds momentum. It's like, oh, the Roosters are falling mm. apart here. They dodge a chance, then Carney drops the ball 30 outs, they give it back to them. Like, mm. It's just, oh, the wheels have fallen off the Roosters. The Tigers can, can sink the slipper here and finish them off. And instead, they just kind of put the one over and go 13 in front. And it's a protective kind of move rather than a real killer blow. Yeah, there's, I think there's a couple of couple things. It just, it's a very strange thing to see Benji and Robbie Farah's team do because yeah. it's just not like this cautious sort of play you'd expect with them. And also, I just think that I didn't even know that you were allowed to take a field goal prior to the point in the game where Peter Sterling starts speculating about whether it's too early for the one, unless it's just before half time. We did but discuss yeah, last week. Yeah. We, we did discuss last week that Bill Anderson on the 91 Penrith versus North call calls for the field goal at the start of the second half when Penrith are 12-0 in front, um, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. yeah. So there is, there is yeah. some historical precedent. <laughs> uh, but, the, but then the, the, the Roosters kind of, it seems to give them a bit of a kick, doesn't it? Like it, it seems to, um, they, get a bit of, they get a bit of field position, they get up there, Murdoch Masilla comes onto the field and absolutely whacks Minicello with his first, you know, first moment in first grade, spills the ball out when the Roosters were on the attack. It's quite an ordinary kind of inside ball from Pierce, but... Um, Sign of what's to come for Murdoch Masilla. Murdoch Masilla, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then the Roosters, there are two moments here where Todd Carney, who has done nothing in the game, finally decides to start trying to change it. One, he attempts a chip and chase, which becomes very awkward, lands in between a couple of players and has to be bundled dead by a very timely hand by Robbie Farrow. And then the second time, he does another chip and chase. This time he gets it back. He finds Anasta off hands. Anasta goes in in the corner. And when Carney then sinks the goal from out wide, it's 15-8. And suddenly, the lead doesn't look so big. Oh, baby. That was football. That was, was good one. football. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That, that, that was a short chip and chase. He's, he's 20 out and chips to the 10. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It was a short chip and chase. It was like the length of an Alan Alan Langer grubber and chase, but a, a proper chip, and it lands yeah. in between four four or five people. He and he's already tried one on. It's fan, obviously Fatty goes to the gratuitous Phil Blake comment, as anyone has to do when someone that. kicks the football in rugby league. Um, but it was it was just clutch. Um, Toddy, Toddy, we talked before about you know it seemed weird that this was the big battle in the game. Jeez, Toddy coming to his own. He. Um, Toddy. 
you know, we'll, we'll go through what happens in the game, but not all of these lead to try. So I'll run, I'll run through a few of them at the moment. It's from yeah, 60th minute chip kick, you know, gets the dropout. 65th chip kick sets up the try. Um, he makes a line break in the 65th minute. He makes a line break in the 75th minute, which we'll talk more about. He makes a line break in the 78th minute. He comes in and it's gone, yeah, he's had a quiet game. Um, I don't necessarily think that that was his fault. The team was getting beat, beat up. But last 20 minutes, game time, ready to go. Toddy's gone bang, 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 bang. And he fully turns this game himself. Funny, they don't it? get without him. They don't yeah, get anywhere near him without him. That's it. He... There are a lot of good players in this Roosters side. There are a lot of players who had been very good, like Minicello and Anasta, players who went on to become significant, like Pierce, Jake Friend, and all these. But without Todd Carney, they do not get close because he's the only no one way. who creates anything and he completely changes the momentum of the game with, 50, with 20 or 25 minutes mm. to go. And, that, and then off that kickoff, the Roosters then go 70 metres up the field from 15-8 down. Suddenly they've got the roll on and they're up the other end of the ground. And the Tigers kind of have to get a little bit nervous at this point because the Roosters have come to life and suddenly all those players that they've got out there who can do something are starting to do things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's right. I think that that the way they responded to the try, I think in hindsight, just talking about it now, that's probably the moment. I don't know that the field goal changed a lot. I think that even after that, they, the Roosters weren't coming back that hard, but Toddy plucked you know, he pulled it out of his ass. It's just chip kick. Nothing was on. They haven't looked like scoring. Um, and he's gone chip kick try. And that, you're right, from there, it's like bang yeah. downfield, bang on that. It was suddenly like, well, you know, Dally M winner, the main man, this is our boy. He's come in and just pulled that out, you know, and it's 15 minutes to go in a, in a final. And here we come. And they all just lifted off him. And for, really the Tigers, and for the Tigers, you start to see the fear a little bit, right? Like, mm. because suddenly all those Ellis things that happen and all those held up of the line things and missed chances at the start of the game. You, you get that feeling of, oh, we should be 30 in front here. We're only seven in front. The Roosters are really coming for us. We can't mess this up. We can't mess this up, you know. That there's a kind of tension that comes with that. Suddenly those things that happened, you know, 45 minutes earlier become really significant in the minds of the players uh, because they know that the job should be done and they're still having to try and finish them off. Uh, it's a Parramatta feeling from the Bulldogs one we spoke about where exactly. one team's like, we're coming and the other team's going, oh, surely we can't, we can't stuff this up rather than, yeah. oh, we're going to win. It's we can't possibly have stuffed this up, can we? Yeah. And Toddy just also, just after that, when it's still 15-8, Carney makes a really good cover tackle. I'm about to make a sentence which you're going to enjoy. Chris Hyington breaks down the wing Um from about halfway, <laughs> goes on this bizarre raid. To do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, goes on this bizarre raid down the touchline, and Todd Carney comes across in cover and uh, puts him into touch. And uh, you know, again, a to- anything for the Tigers there could have stifled the hint of Roosters' momentum. Carney's the mm. one who gets there and makes the tackle. He also, it, you kind of think of him as being a bit flaky and wasting his career a little bit, and all of this, but he. He does a lot of things like that. He makes a lot of cover tackles. He falls on the loose ball. He sparks their recovery in the game. And he also looks really fit. Did you know, there's, there's a moment when he takes that penalty in the first half. But he just looks physically immaculate. His quads are enormous. He's really bulky. He's like, he just looks like he's been putting the work in. And that this is the year that he's got his head screwed on and he's going to become a great player. Yeah, um, he he got he held someone up over the line. One of the held ups was him too. Yep. He was involved in a, in a good put. It was either out the side or held up one or the other. Um, yeah, you're right. He was a fantastic footballer. Um, he went on to be very good at Cronulla. 
Um, but there was this phase where he really was a linchpin there and it was going great and he started having leg problems, started having hammies and it just took a bit of the edge you're talking about off him that he had here yeah. where it was that running game and the chip kicking and all that stuff. And he just started to break physically. Um, you know, he, he had a good career there, but he just, you know, he'd play 15 games and have to miss a couple and it just, that would yeah. start to put a bit of doubt in it. Whereas here, you're right, he was strong, he was fit, he was able to run and he wanted to run. And, and, and it just he looks and, like and he, he looks like a really good professional who's trying to make a crack at, like make a go of this, like a, the I thing. Is, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think it's easy. I know what you're saying, this, but people's off-field personalities and their on-field personalities aren't the same thing. And we so, yeah. so you can make that mistake with front rowers all the time with these aggro sort of guys. Rhea Hargrave is supposed to be the nicest bloke in the world, for example. And with Toddy, he's got that flaky sort of thing because, yeah, you could say that he didn't do with what he's, with his career what he could have. And obviously off the field, uh, his commitment to what he was supposed to be doing wasn't always there. But I don't think he was anything less than a totally committed footballer. Um, you know, uh, Joey's another example. A guy who used to drink and do all this sort of stuff and, and get in a bit of trouble from time to time. But when he was on the field, like he's always in good condition. Doing. Yeah, yeah. And he he never didn't chase a ball or do stuff. And I thought Carney was like that. Like for whatever stuff that went on away from football, when he was on the field, I don't think he ever flaked it. I think he was fully committed. He put his body on the line for tackles. He'd do all that stuff. That that wasn't. It wasn't that he was flaky on the field. It's probably conflating. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Stuff. Yeah. It's just funny that. You, you look at it, if you only watched this game and you looked at the condition he was in and the way that he ran around the field, you would just never assume that he was a guy who got sacked from three clubs. Like he just doesn't, there's nothing about him that he, he looks like a guy who's got all the discipline and seriousness of, of Cooper Cronk or Thurston or any of them. Yeah. Um, yeah and all the ability. And, and at least all the ability. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I, I think this is an opportune time. We're talking about what might've made the Tigers uh, give this game away. I think Tim Sheens wears a bit of the blame for this because of the way that he used his bench. In the first 60 minutes of the game, oh, on the, when does Murdoch Masilla come in? Murdoch Masilla comes on, on the, yeah, like in about the 58th minute. Up until that point, so nearly an hour, he's only used two of his bench. He's used Fulton and Simon Dwyer. Murdoch Masilla and Fafita have not come on at all. So that means Ellis has been on, I think, for the whole game. I think Hyington had been on for the whole game. Gibbs might have come off for a bit, but not much. Galloway might have come off for a bit, but not much. I'm not sure if Peyton had a break at all. Um, if they've come off, they've not come off for props because his two props are still Because his bench. two props haven't come off. That's right. So they did have Peyton in the second row. They've, but um, all of a sudden they're in a game where you've got one side full of running trying to chase them. You're trying to protect a lead and you've got blokes out there who've been on for the whole game. And then with 12 minutes to go, when it's, uh, sorry, with 10 minutes to go, when it's still 15-8, Gareth Ellis goes off. So your best forward goes off the field when you most need your defence to hang in there and you most need your forwards to keep you moving up the field. I just think he got the calculation a little bit wrong. Fafita doesn't come on until the 70th minute. Well, hang on. Are you suggesting that a uh, a teenage Andrew Fafita isn't the sort of personality you'd want on the field protecting the lead late in the game? That's exactly what I'm <laughs> suggesting. Well, I can't have that. I think cool heads prevail. I've <laughs> calmed everyone down. Um, look, I think you're exactly right. I think the key point there is that 
what happened is all of his, the, the, the key point, and look, you were alluding to this, I only want to spell it out, is that the key players that you want on the field if you're trying to protect the lead and hold out against, you know, a rising tide, if you like, of people really coming for you, is they were tired. They're the ones who haven't been off. All yeah, your key that's forwards. Right. Yeah, you get to 10, 15 to go, and the forwards that you want on the field, when you look at the last 10 minutes of a game and it's tight, you go, who do you want on the field? They're saying Ellis. They're saying you probably have Price Gibbs who had a really good game. You, you haven't Peyton. Like these are you're yeah. not picking for feeder. For feeder isn't who he is now. He's only a kid no. in his first year. And he looks um, good. He M- runs Murdoch the ball well when he comes on for feeder. Like there's plenty about him that you go, oh Jesus, looks good. But he's yeah. but not in a way that's going to get you to to full time. Well, it would have been a phenomenal thing to bring on in the 50th minute when you were full of running would be to bring the young kid Tyro on because he had a really good year. He was rated. He came through really well there. Um, The other thing to mention about that, it flows on from what you said, is that Ben Murdoch Masilla's on debut. Andrew Fafita's played all year off the bench. Um, Why Murdoch Masilla comes on with with half an hour to go and why Fafita comes on with 10 to go is very strange, playing the same position. Uh, I don't really understand much of that. And you're right, look, the, the whole conflation of that is that all these guys end up in the field. And the real clangor of it is that Gareth Ellis never comes back at all. No, he doesn't even come on an extra time. Remembering there's extra time, that means yeah. that they go without Ellis from the 70th till the 97th. They had 27 minutes without your best forward on the field. It's unbelievable. I, I just don't And again, understand. these guys did nothing wrong. But no. Fafita and Murdoch Masilla did nothing wrong. But it's just the common sense of having to have the right guys on the field at the point of the game that it matters. Your experienced heads that might just save you something or do something. Yeah. Um, in his defence, can I make a defence of, sure. of shifting? Because uh, he's my, he I just mad. want it noted that he's my mm. favourite coach of all time. I, I'm very reluctant to bag mm. Tim Sheets because he's, he's, you know, but I just, I just think he got his sums wrong a little bit. He might have thought that he could run over the top of them and then throw the young blokes on at the end when they were 20 in front, and it didn't work out that way. But I just mention it. You know? mm. I don't want to get I hate think... mail from any Sheens fans because I'm one of them. No, you'll be getting it from me. Um, <laughs> it, it's. I also love Shifty. Uh, what I want to defend, I don't want to defend him. I want to talk about his mindset is that he was always this mad and he got enough stuff right that he was entitled to back himself when he was doing stuff that seems really stupid to anyone else. Like just for example, he, when he's coaching the Raiders and they go to the 94 grand final, he puts Paul Osborne from reserve grade. He doesn't like Lomax, their prop gets injured. Oh, sorry. gets suspended in the preliminary final. And instead of using the guy that had been on the bench all year or the next guy, he leaves two guys out and plucks Paul Osborne from reserve grade where all these players were revolting saying, why have you done that? And the guy sets up two tries in the first 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, like yeah. he'd done enough bizarre things. He went on to do even more bizarre things like picking Sione Matautea in a test match. In but a test. he, um, yeah, but he did so many strange things and enough of them worked for him. Like he was plucking guys from four down the chain to play grand finals out of nowhere where people yeah. go, what's doing? And it comes off that he does so much weird stuff that he's entitled to think, well, what you're telling me, the assistant coach is saying it's weird. The media says it's weird. He's going, well, no, I, I know what I'm doing. He knows what he's doing. He's just yeah, done enough stuff. Back your hunch, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, he just had hunches. Right. And, and I, I agree with you totally. Like, I, this one was wrong, but he was entitled. I think he had probably had so much stuff work that he was entitled to just think that if he had an idea, it was worth doing. Yeah. You know? He'd have had some idea behind this. He'd have had a theory that he'd come up with. Yeah, you know? I'm sure that's right. I'd love to know what it is. Um, yeah. 74th minute. Carney bursts from halfway. Lovely little ball from friend to put him away. Carney hitting the ball at top speed. Beautiful run. Um, bursts. Athlete. Just absolutely burns him. It's a lovely bit of play. Um, 
finds Pierce in support. Good halfback player to be there to get on the end of it. Um, Pierce didn't do a lot in the game. I didn't think he didn't really. Um, he put one of the best out on the full kicks I've ever seen that went right into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really do. He's only young, I guess. Didn't do too much, but he was there for that for that moment to get on the end of that. Um, and at this yeah, point, Pierce, Pierce he, he was quiet, um, and he had a lot of quiet games at those parts of his careers, and got some criticism for it. But you saw the best of him on that play that he did. He was yeah. always a guy that made those efforts. He's always made as much effort as anyone else has that's ever played the game in that position. I think in terms of his energy and his effort and commitment to things, and um, he used to push up like that all the time. He pushed up. If he doesn't push up, they don't score and they don't yeah. win. And that, that stuff that it's not the first thing you think of when you think about halfbacks. But he is never whatever criticisms have come to him, effort and, and desire aren't among them. And you saw yeah, that with the try. I'd agree with that. Um, and at this point, Benji has been hobbling for a few minutes and then he goes down with the trainer and there's a thought, hang on, it's just about to be 15-14. The Tigers going to have to save, going to have five minutes to try and keep themselves in this game. And Benji's down. And then Benji goes off. And then just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, the Tigers have used all their subs. There's nobody... So that, they have to, they've just brought Fafita on in the 70th minute. That was their 10th change. Benji has to go off. They've got to play with 12. Yeah. Um, again, to go back on Sheens, that's not... Yeah, the easy in the changes don't look great now. To have done no. all that tinkering and brought his props on late and to then run out. I, I, don't, I know that you, there's not long left in the game, but you can't run out. You just need to have them. Like, you, you can't run out in games of football. You can't have five minutes... 12 players on the field. Yeah. Um, it, it, with 10 minutes to go, there was enough left, I would have thought, at that point. Like, the, the Roosters were close enough for you to say, we possibly can't afford to run out of interchanges. There was only seven at that point, 10 yeah. to go, when they bring Fafita on. You need to keep it. That's an error from him. Um, quick one on the McIntyre system and how this plays into this. What do you think that plays in Benji going off? Like, do you think if this game was, say, if they knew what was to get in the prelim or they knew it was elimination, one or the yeah. other, they just knew what was happening, do you think that... Because I, I can't remember whether he then plays the next week, for example. He does. But so I, they I played the Raiders so play. the next week and he had, a, he had a blinder and they won. But he, so I he wasn't badly injured, basically. No, but I think you're right. I think that there's that sense of we might need to play next week. We can't have Benji injured because our season's over. We can't even make this any worse. We're going to have to take And we him might off. be playing anyway if he wins. That, that's and we, the that's right. We might play next week either way. Even if we win. Um, that's right. Yeah. So if, they had, if yeah. Penrith had played before them, I dare say that if Penrith had played the game before and lost and the Tigers knew that this was to get into the prelim, maybe Benji stays on because they know that if they, if they can just hang on, they'll get, 12, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll get two weeks to get him right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like, that's a really thought. good point. You defend him in yeah. the centres or something, and yeah. Um, yeah, I just wonder whether that's something because Sheen's. You know, there's coaches out there that might not think that convolutedly as we just have, but I assure you, Sheen's he would have. He was, oh, uh, yeah. he was, you know, he was mad. He'd had every computation going on in his head, and I, yeah, I just wonder because it's a weird situation. He's the best player in the world. Um, you start. I mean, they're not winning the comp without him, and you go, well, we might be playing next week anyway. No matter what happens here, yep, we might not get the week off. Absolutely, um, yeah, it's, it's a funny one, yeah. And then in the last couple of minutes, the, the Roosters finally fire a shot at 15-14. They're looking for the field goal. I, you've almost got it. Like, the Tigers suddenly look legless and they've got one man down. The Roosters are almost favourites at this point. Like, there's no reason that they have to. That from being, like, from an impossible situation, you almost fancy them now to run over the top of them and win the game. With 90 seconds to go, Carney again makes a break to get them up the field, gets them to the 30. They 
they set Anasta up for the field goal and very cool head from Anasta, I must say. It's a very good, clever bit of play. He doesn't, there's a big rushing chase. So he jinx and grubbers the ball in goal. Uh, and the Roosters have a dropout with 90 seconds to go to set up for the field goal. And this is going to be the moment. This is where the game's going to be decided, right? They're going to either kick this field goal or miss it, and that's going to be it. That's what you're I'm thinking. Glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that about Braith, because I actually noted that as well. It was very clever. So many people lose their heads, and he had a look up, um, saw that opportunity, saw that not much else was on, and was clever enough to execute a bit of skill play to get a dropout where a lot of players wouldn't, wouldn't have. A lot of players would have done something very silly in that situation. Um, We've made fun of Brian Smith a little bit. Can I say that Braith and Nasta did quite a good job in the edge back row in that game? Sure. I thought he was good. Um, he, I think he had a real yeah. Wade Graham-like ability. He was obviously like, oh, let's not beat around the bush. He's a lot less hard than Wade Graham. He's a lovely mongrel of a thing too. But he had that nice, like having that skill player out on that edge with a bit of a kick and a little bit of a yeah. calm head. He came in and kicked a bit when Pierce and Carney were out of position. And, and then he stood out there, directed a bit of play. I think there's actually a bit of a market for that in the game. More people doing Absolutely. that. Um, it suits guys like Piercy who, who were effort halfbacks rather than, um, you know, to just super get, high class to, halfbacks. Yeah. To just get 20 or 25% of your playmaking from someone else other than your halves is, an, is not a just, bad, or even 10 is not a bad yeah. little thing. Yeah. Taking the pressure off, being able to take the pressure off and being big enough to do a job in the back row. You know, you've got to be big enough to do that job, but yeah. just good enough to take the pressure off guys. So just go, righto, they just need me to come up with something here. Yeah. Me, to Glenn, keep, me to pass, yeah. Glenn Stewart was a good one at that. Wade Graham's very good. He's very good. Yeah. 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 Um, so this last minute is is all going to be about the Roosters setting up for a field goal and can they kick it or not? But it isn't, Gassy. Can you explain to us why? In, oh, I think there are t- I think there are two words for this. Simon Dwyer. Yeah. Maybe they're two words. <laughs> yeah. He this. How do you describe it? I, I I'd like you to. It, it's um it it's base violence. It's. It's upsetting yeah. how badly he rocks Rhea Hargraves. This is one of the best shots. Top it. 10 shots in the history of the sport. Top 10 like, shots. Like, this is the, it's game winning is what it is. I know is it doesn't. The, but yeah, but this winning. is the moment, right? Like the yeah. Tigers swarm in. They swarm in. They're all Pat and Dwyer on the head. It's, this young guy has made his name in the game. He's come up with this enormous play in a semi-final. The, well, Tigers, are about, seconds left. the Tigers are about to win. It's all over. They just, you know. Yeah, I, I think the comment the commentators toss out that if they they're smarty, they'll 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 be able to make their set go the whole thirty two seconds. So that's how long it's to go. It's the, which yeah, yeah, it's a good precursor to what yeah. they do. But it, this shot is rocking. Uh, we need to talk about it a bit more. Yeah, we need to talk. Firstly, we've talked about how good the shot is. Look, you know, I don't think we can describe that. Go and watch it. If you haven't watched the yeah. game, go and type in Simon Dwyer and Murray Hargraves. He's stumbling on the deck, falling over, all sorts of stuff. It's clobbering. Secondly, should it have been a penalty? Should the game have been over? It would be now. No Absolutely, it would asked. be now. It's funny. I I never identified it. Like I thinking about it before watching the game, it never occurred to me that it could have been a penalty. But when you watch it, it gets him quite gets him on the chin. Rhea Hargraves has knocked out cold and has the, six weeks now. Six has the weeks. wobbly boot. Oh yeah, yeah. but like I, it'd be a penalty even without the ban on the shoulder charge. I think it would be a penalty. Yeah, and the Roosters would have won sixteen fifteen. I think the suggestion and it would be regarded. The funny that, thing is that yeah. if the ref blows the penalty, it's regarded as this brain explosion from Simon Dwyer, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody goes, "Oh, what was he thinking? He can't do that in the last mm-hmm. like right in front of the posts." The exact same yeah. thing. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny because I think Fatty tossed out, people might not remember the rule at that time. So the rule was that you could only overturn it if it's reportable. So that's yeah. changed over time. We get that every couple of years, we get that. Then they take it out and make it, you can penalise it for anything. And then we get yeah. people complaining about dives. So at that point, we were under the system of it, it, it has to be reportable. So when they're watching the replay, they're not actually looking, is it a penalty? They're looking, is it reportable? So you could actually argue that, it's a refereeing blunder in a way because they were sort of saying, yeah, probably a penalty, but it's not reportable. Therefore, the ref should have blown the penalty, but because he didn't, it's not a penalty. It's a very weird system when you think yeah. about it where the referee would have been right to blow it, but because he didn't, it's not right it's to, it's bizarre right to kind leave of, it go. It's yeah. this bizarre kind of legal firewall logic. between, yeah. Well, it's the sort yeah, of thing yeah. that could get us a career. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Sort of arguing these things in mind. On the field, of, um, in, in real yeah. time. Um, yeah, and and everybody, I guess, who's watched this game even once will remember what happens from here. Uh, the Roosters push in the scrum. The ball just clips for Theta's back foot uh, as he's at the base of the scrum. Hyington's at lock, goes down to pick it up, um, and probably because of the fumble and probably because of all the bodies coming at him, he fumbles it, and uh, the Roosters get it back against all odds with 20 seconds to go, right in front of the post 20 out. But even then, it doesn't go simply. Uh, well, book. I mean, just clarify this for me. Yeah. Win against the feed in 2010. That's right. I know, it's just it's unheard of. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Um, I know. Look, I think just then, I think this is fairly typical of you. Um, you've gone soft on, on players you like. You're a real sort of favourites, but you've gone soft on Hino. He, he does. He had to no, pick the ball up. I'm not, you've I'm gone not soft on him because you love him. You've gone soft on him. And I'm just going to call you out here. It's your typical <laughs> sort of namby-pamby journalism. He, he's gone soft on him. He, 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 the ball, I know it fumbles a little bit, but the ball has come out the back of the scrum and he looks at it on the ground yeah, for about five right. seconds. Pick up. Pick you it pick it up. What's it doing? Yeah. It's on the ground. It's very, it's, it's very I, tentative. I love Hino too. But yeah, he's very tentative. It's, it's brain dead. Yeah. It's brain dead. I think brain dead moment. I'll accept yeah. that. Um, and I, I, wrote, I tried to write down in some detail what happens from here. Please, please tell me. And Asta gives it to Carney, who looks up for a field goal and gets belted by Hyington. So then the Roosters go to the left. There's 10 seconds to go. Graham gets it over on the other side of the field. He gets it up to the 20. He looks around, gives it to him. It's a Minicello to his right. And Minicello, with this beautiful, cool head, he must have got a call, but even so, gets it on the 20, turns, feeds it pretty much straight backwards to Anasta, who somehow has ended up in this pocket of space behind the play, 30 out, maybe 15 in from touch, who hits the cleanest strike of his life straight through the posts on the siren, after the siren, 15 all, going to extra time, going to Golden Point for the first time in a final. And Tim Shane's is stunned, the Tigers are stunned, and now they've got to go and play again. Yeah. Look, you've described it well. Um, we took different approaches to this. Uh, my notes just said, manic field goal, exclamation yes. mark. <laughs> Which I think I could have just said that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best field goal I've ever seen um, because it is I've never seen the ball being passed so many times for a field goal. Neither. Combined with the angle of the field goal, he's, he's, he's three quarters to the sideline on a ridiculously bad angle. Um, the most games in the Golden Point era, including this one, are just full of stinking field goal attempts from in front of the post. There's a lot of them. We'll get to them. But yeah. there is a lot of stinking field goals from in front of the post in this game. There is a lot in every game of football you ever watch is that rugby league players are not good at kicking field goals. They don't practice. They're no good at all. Cooper Cronk's pretty good. Pretty much no one else is any good in the last 15 years. Yep. Um, Anasta, 
has just hit a worldie. Like he's three quarters to the sideline on a ridiculous angle off about 15 passes with no time to really set. I know he's got it deep, but there's nothing. They're not, he's not set for it. They're just, and he just, he just looks up. There's the post. Bang. Yeah. 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 Fantastic strike. And it, it's one of the best field goals. It's the best field goal I've ever seen easily. And it's the most ridiculous one I've ever seen combined yep. into one. It's fantastic. And, you know, again, we talk about it again, but, you know, uh, Brian Smith, he moves a guy who's a career 5'8 to the edge back row. Uh, it's a time in the game where that wasn't done. Um, it, there's one or two now, like Wade, and, and if you go back 10 years, there was a lot. There was your Fittlers and Florimos were playing lock, and I know that's yeah. not edge back row, but it was similar. The, people weren't doing this at that time, and he had Braith out there. Braith put a couple of good kicks in the first half. He got a dropout two minutes before this, and he banged a field goal to win the game, and you don't get that if you don't have him in the position with the setup you have. So, yeah. Absolutely. Credit to him. Yeah. Um, it, it's yeah. That's that's fair, and it is. It's just a beautiful strike, and it's a wildly dramatic moment in a, in a game. Like it, it, you're right, it is the best field goal I think I've ever seen as well because of that. Because it just keeps going through hands. They know, field goals only go over if the setup is perfect. You only ever see them kicked when the guy's in the pocket and they've got a few blocked runners, and he gets a good strike on it from twenty out in front. You don't see a lot of this kind of. Um, Crazy hooking it around. Um, Golden point starts with the Tigers back to 13. They bring Keith Galloway on, ostensibly to replace Benji, which is a nice touch. Possibly the only time that's 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 ever happened. Now, what I've done, Gazzy, uh, there were, I can I can report to you and the listeners that there are 18 sets of there are 18 sets in Golden Point, which the Golden Point goes for 17 minutes. Now, yeah. 97 minute game of football. That's right. Um, now. I can, if there's anything you want to particularly raise, um, feel free. I think there are a couple of things that probably weren't mentioning. Uh, there, you know. I suspect we'll have the same things. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a couple. Uh, I, I want to start just briefly. I'll, I'll turn to you in a minute because I reckon you'll have the next couple. And if you don't, I'll, I'll step in. Uh, yeah. The first one, I just want to mention that I really long for the error of speculative field goals. Yeah. Um, these days, there's this namby-pamby professionalism about <laughs> getting it 45 to 50 out and kicking into the corner sensibly and pinning the team down the other end instead of having wild field goal attempts that miss yep. by 20 metres and land like, you know, halfway to the sideline 25 out. And I just, it's no good. That was the error of the game, the area where you went, you know what, as long as we're in the half, we're having a have shot. A go here. Anyway, now, we're having a go. I think it should be mentioned that with Benji off the... Benji was probably the, one of the best field goal hitters in the history of the game. And happen for to be distance, yeah. For distance, yeah, like for anyone, anyway, if you're going to have a crack from a long way out, um, mm. he's on the bench with ice on his knee, and so it's down to Robert Far- Robbie Farrow and Robert Louis. Robbie, a wonderfully kind of bipolar approach to this. The first time they get to the forty, he, he kicks it long, and finds Minicello ten out from his own line. The second time they get to the forty, he says, "No, we're going to have a crack here." and hits this absolutely disgusting shank, which doesn't get anywhere near the post. So he's sort of taken both approaches. Yeah. Yeah, well, if he had had two shots, he might have hit one. <laughs> Got to take it on. Yeah. Speculative field goals. I think, exactly. I forget who has the other. It might be Carney. Carney has a 45-metre shot, yeah. I reckon. That and Nasta, I think, launches one as well. Um, yeah, he had possibly, to. He possibly was on, yeah. <laughs> and Nasta was entitled to think he was on, I think, on that day. But yeah, he has, he has a shot that's even harder than the first one. He had to respect him for thinking he was on for doubling. Yeah, down. yeah. In that, but the probably the best field goal chance I'd say is probably Farrell's one from twenty out, which he just slices. There's no real reason for him to miss it in the first half of extra time. Um, after about in the fifth set of Golden Point, he gets a chance, and then the and that's the long range. Should, 
should have kicked it. Like, it's just a chance if you just put it over and win the game. If they'd have won from there, by the way, if they'd have been taken to extra time from 15-2 with 12 men and Benji off the field and then one in golden point, that would have been unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, um... But Anasta's long range on the bell after the first five minutes is so bad that it goes out to the wing and bounces. And Lottie Takiri is just loafing after it. It bounces on its point, and the Roosters nearly get a touch on it. Yeah, it's weird. It nearly comes off. It was a really strange sort of moment that was a bit like that end of the Bears-Penrith game where you yeah. thought that's a shot and nothing on. Then all of a sudden you think, shit, there's actually there a chance to pick this up here out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I'm really low. I'm really low on post-return Lottie. And I just want to make out that I'm really keen on pre-Lottie. I thought he was great. But I was just, I don't know how he, I just, when he came back, he did nothing for me. And he just, like, he coasted on three years off being, like, people just saying, oh, it's Lottie Dekiri. And he, like, used to be good. And we all just pretended he was still good. And then eventually we sort of realised that he wasn't anymore. And He scored 18 you know, tries in this game. Yeah. Oh, sorry, in this game, in, in this season. Yeah, he's just playing on the wing with Benji Marshall. I don't want to yeah. know how many of them oh, no, did I'm much sure, yeah, I just think it was. Yeah, I just don't learning. think it was that good. He, he, he was probably. I don't mean to say he shouldn't have been in first grade or anything. I just mean like you know, like it, it just it, to me, I just don't think he was much that, that good when he came back. He was one of the best wingers I've ever seen before he left. And yeah, I don't know. There are a couple. Just call that a personal opinion. No, that's that's fair. It's something interesting about at halftime in Golden Point. They mentioned that Penrith and Canberra have run onto the field, so they don't stop. They don't hold up the kickoff of the other game. They just say that we'd like so Penrith and Kemper are playing a semi final. Imagine if you followed the Panthers or the Raiders, and you and, well, and it's a semi final, a knockout semi final for the Raiders, and you can't watch it because the other guy. I know you don't want players having to warm up again and all of this, but surely in a game that is entirely designed for television, the whole schedule, everything is set up for Channel Nine to be able to show the games that they want to show. It's incredible that you get to the first week of the semi finals, and there is a game being played that is not available on television. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think you should say some gratitude that they at least didn't show it after Burke's backyard, like yeah. delay, on delay. Small <laughs> games. Which, which, which they did for about 15 years. Let's small, be grateful they were small showing games. it. Not, yeah. yeah. Like it was ostensibly you were going to see the last 65 minutes or 70 minutes live. Rather than say all of it over three hours yeah. until about midnight yeah. on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. after That's Don Burke finishes talking about bloody... Um, Geraniums, yeah. Geraniums, yeah. Geraniums, yeah. There are a couple of howlers in, like a couple of really howling misses. There's the Farrow one in the first half, and then uh, there's a charge down off a Carney shot. Wonderful charge down from Peyton. Uh, mm. There is a shocker. Pierce misses one from a uh, from pretty close, sort of in front. He misses a pretty clear one. Then he misses another that was one. That's yeah. yeah, that that's probably as as bad as the Farrow one. I think he then mm. misses one from thirty out, which is on a tough angle. I'm I'm probably not blaming him for that. And then there's a wonderful tackle from uh, from Peyton who comes across and grasses Kenny Dow. Peyton has a couple of big moments in extra time. Yeah. And then the Tigers get the golden chance in the 15th set. Farah attempts a 40-20 horribly, shanks it off the outside of his boot. And for some reason, Paul, Sam Perrett goes full Paul Carriage and tries to catch the ball as it's sailing into touch. No risk of a 40-20, goes through his hands and the Tigers get it back. He's trying to take a mark running backwards overhead, AFL style, running backwards, leaping full stretch. It was going out in the full, I reckon. Yeah, Forget totally. going in the touch. I reckon yeah. it was going out the Well, it went out in the full off his hand and it didn't go up off his hand. No. Like he slept up and it's flicked his it's hand. Just gone, gone through. Out. Yeah. 
Yeah, if anything, he only slowed the ball down. So I reckon it was going out in the full anyway. It was a real, um, I call it, I always call those things like, you called it earlier a Kenny Dow. I call it a Kenny Dow or a Fergo. Like it's yeah. this, like this sense to just pull something really, really like clangingly stupid. <laughs> it's funny that Wiz Kenny, Wiz Kenny Dow on the field was mm. the other winger who did that, who made his career yeah. as a very professional kind of, um, yeah. sort good of player parent, crosser yeah. of T's, daughter of I's kind of player. You know? yeah. yeah, He made a really good career for himself. Played test football. He played fullback in a grand final at Canterbury. He, he sort of got the most out of himself for sure. Yeah. But that was uh, not on the list of moments he will want to look back on. That was sort of probably, if they lose, if, like if the Tigers then win that in that set, that's probably in your top five like finals yeah. playing. Yeah, hellless, yeah. Mm. Because they don't know if they're going to be out yet, remember. Like if they, no, that's right. If he does and that in the Tigers hit a field goal, they could have been out. Yeah, and they would have been because the Raiders then yeah, went on to beat Penrith. Yeah. Um, and then what, what are the Tigers doing off that set? They zing it from one side to the other. They pass it off the ground. They spin it wide. Ashford ends up getting it on the wing, 20-odd out, and gets pushed into touch by Todd Carney again, I should note, as well as Phil Graham. This, mm. is, this is where the Tigers go back to being the old Tigers without Benji. Yeah, well, that's your model. Um, yeah. It's rudderless football, and in normal circumstances, I would make the point that with their main man off the field that that might excuse it, but I just can't sit here and look you in the face and tell you that Benji would have really come and, <laughs> and straightened them up. Like, I, just I, 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 I just need, yeah, to, very, just need to see this out. Yeah, It's very difficult for me to suggest that Benji Marshall at that time would have calmed down and straightened the play up, but yeah, they, look, they, they, I've got another thing on that at the moment on the final play, which I found very similar to this, is that they didn't run any structure. This was probably Farrah's job. He was yeah, general their main halfback yeah. like I know he plays hooker but he directed the attack a lot in the, in the yeah. midfield stuff and they just played wide and ran around and he should have straightened them up and set them a structure to get down there and give him a shot and or give him and Louis a shot and they didn't they just threw it around took stuff on it looked pretty that play like it looked if you were like Brabs made out like he went close but he was never going to score like no. he didn't have an overlap he, he was a strong run but it wasn't on they spread it wide where they're just sliding out with you and they tackled him out. It was always going to go that way. He did make a good effort, but he wasn't going to score. It wasn't on. It was silly. The whole set was yeah. like that. It, 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 there's no rudder. It, it, yeah, Brisbane did this a year or two ago where they got hammered a few times in Golden Point for this, where this lack of anyone telling them where to go. And it's like no one's working to a plan of any kind. Yeah. And that's what it looked like. Like No one had an idea what the plan was at all. So just after this, so the Tigers blow this and the Roosters... Um, the Roosters go down and Carney attempts a 40-20, which doesn't go, which goes out, but sort of 25 out. They, they, they pan the crowd at this point. At, by this point, we're in the 16th minute of Golden Point extra time in the semi-final. And there are these people getting up in Tigers jerseys, waving at the camera. Who are these people? Yeah. In what world... In, like, in the 16th minute of Golden Point, have you got the energy or the basic life force to see a camera and still want to mug off for people watching at home? It, I, I, unfathomable behaviour. Oh, I'd have been... Because I'd just be... Uh, my nerves would have been shot. I'd probably be in tears. I doubt I'd be watching. I just had my head in my lap, just nerves jangled. There'd be no like skiking up for the camera and stuff like that. No, what like, are you if doing? I saw I was on there, I'd start mouthing off at the camera. Or something. I'd have lost my head. I'm I would no either, good at any game. Yeah. I would either be in the fetal position or at Prince of Wales Hospital at that point. Yeah. There was no way. 
I'm waving at the camera. Anyway. I, I struggle in pointless club games when we're already out of contention for the finals and it's close. Yeah, like my nerves jangle I, off their heads. Yeah. Baffling. Who yeah, is having yeah. a good time? If you follow one of these teams, how is this a good time? <laughs> this is not enjoyable, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. The Tigers get the ball 25 out. They advance up the field and uh, on about halfway, uh, on the fourth tackle, uh, Fulton throws a longish pass to Louis, which I must say Carney had a look at, thinking he might be able to intercept it. Louis gives it to Peyton. Peyton turns back to the middle, gives it to Fulton. Fulton runs sideways and throws a looping, loping intercept to Sean Kenny Dowell, who, despite a couple of good chases from Simon Dwyer and then from Takiri, crosses in the opposite corner, and she's all over 1915. Yeah. Um, it, that moment, it goes from what we said earlier, and it was quintessential Tigers. Like, they're working up the field. They should be working towards a shot for a field goal. And the forwards... Not the halves. The forwards have touched the ball about three times in that play yeah. and thrown it unders, unders one way, unders the other way, back this way, whirling around, twirling towards freedom, so to speak. There's nothing going on. Nothing. Like it, it's no, there's no plan. There's no anything. They're just loping around, playing unders, looking at what they see, and then spiralling a long ball. No, but someone should have taken a tackle at some point in that play, just got it and gone yeah. straight, but they there's all just wanted to roam tackle. around looking for a hole. Yeah, yeah, they just all wanted to roam around looking for a hole, throws the long ball. Kenny Dow, uh, I feel... You know, good on him because he was on the wrong side of this a couple of times in his career. Yeah, later um, on, yeah. in get one in early. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. A fantastic try. Good player, Kenny. He's got twenty tries that year, and yeah. there was a period where he was one of the best centers in the in the world. And I think he he is a guy that will probably be forgotten a bit in twenty years. That I think was a really good player. I yep. mean, a really good career. Um, but yeah, and they win. And I don't really know how. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what really know what to say. Um, that try was out of the blue. Carney's try was a chip kick. And why? Why did the Tigers not win? They, why, they had a scrum with 20 seconds. The Tigers to go win the game twice. The they win the game yeah, twice doing? And, don't get, and don't win. You know, They yeah. win it by breaking them in the first hour of the game and being 15-2 in front. Then they win it again with a scrum with the big Dwyer hit. That's, that's the match-winning play. And they yeah. still lose. And that means that they have to, uh, yeah. yeah. I, anyway, I just, we've, as you, oh, as you rightly said. It's a real said, loss in history. Yeah, go. I was just going to say, as you rightly said right at the start, they have, uh, th- th- we've covered a few games where at half time or with 20 minutes to go, whatever, you can't see the result coming and you don't understand how it happened. And you're right, this is up there with the best of them <laughs> because there is just no indication even watching it 10 years later, knowing the result, that the Roosters are going to get yeah. them. No, there's not. It's just so hard to fathom. Um, I'm, I don't like to use hyperbole, like real commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. It could be, well, you know, like, it's like, oh, they might be on 20 points. Like, you know, like, yeah. this, they could be on 20. Like, it's every game. They should have been on 30. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not kidding. Right. They should have been on 30 after 21 minutes. I, I don't like that because it's, it's such a trope, but they yeah. they should have been. All of those should have been tries. They it should have been over. They should have just I put mean, them to sleep know, like, in the first half hour. They scored one legitimately in the, and Benji's decked the halfback at the scrum. Like Ellis shouldn't have dropped that ball. They shouldn't have really been held up. One of them shouldn't have really been held up. He should have got it down. It was fairly chancy. It, all of that stuff shouldn't have happened. They should have been up by 30 and it shouldn't, have been in this position, but once they got in this position, they sort of shouldn't have lost the scrum against the feed. They shouldn't have run out of interchanges. Yeah. And in Golden Point, they should have kicked a field goal that they missed, and they shouldn't have 
passed a really stupid intercept straight to Kenny Dow. Yeah. It's just, and it, it they I had the lament best, this one. Yeah. They had, they had more chances to kick a field goal. They had the better of extra time. I think that bears mentioning, but even after mm. everything that happens and as legless as they looked in the last 10 and with the roosters steaming home and having the miracle field goal, the Tigers still have the best of extra time. They still look like they're the team that's going to kick the field goal and they still don't. Yeah, they they should, and it's. I just I really lament this result. I do because I I I wouldn't have minded that Roosters team winning the comp. I wouldn't mind Carney if having got one and that sort of thing. But I I just I loathe that Dragons team. I loathe that they won. I loathe their coach, and I just reckon the Tigers. I don't know they could have played that boring, bland football and got past Benji. Like just this is you know. Well, like, I, and, I mean, in fairness, they yeah. did in the in the preliminary final. But I yeah, think, I, I know what you're saying, but yeah. I just think it changes this whole. It changes the. I know they got them in, but this final it changes the concept. Going out in a way like this changes yeah. the whole mo of the final series. I think if they got them in the grand final on the other side of the draw and they got into that phase, they, the Dragons were known to choke. And if they had got in the grand final against Benji's team that's gone through the finals by beating East comfortably, yeah. going into the prelim and got that, I just think it would be different. And, and, you know, before we get the angry letters, it's a very good point that they have the opportunity to still beat the Saints. But, of course. But, um, it, yeah, it's you're just, right. It, they, yes. It's a different – suddenly it's a different game. And they've then had two yeah. more – they've had another really tough game before. The, like they've played 97 yeah. minutes. Then had a really tough close win over the Raiders in Canberra, mind you. How's yeah. that? They end up playing Canberra away as a resort for losing – as a reward for losing this game from third um yeah it's the mcintyre system wonderful yeah. system yeah but the roosters by contrast they then roll through the next two games so having like inexplicably won this they beat penrith 34 12 the next week penrith noted having come second then they play the gold coast in the preliminary final it's incredible to think of the titans finishing fourth and making the preliminary final but anyway and they beat them 32 to 6 they just they just swat the they swat the other two mm. top four sides away, um, and then sort of don't really they hold their gloves up but don't do very much against the Dragons in the grand final. But it is it does feel like that preliminary final between the Dragons and the Tigers should have been the grand final that year. That they were the best sides. That they were mm. that would have been a really good contrast of styles. A really um, a really interesting grand final sheens against Wayne and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but for reasons which are sort of only barely explainable by science, it's not what happened. Can you think of a better run of the finals to get than playing Penrith at that point? I have no strong memories of that Penrith team at all. Yeah. Uh, it's not the great side that they had in the early 2000s. I've no real no, memory this of is that. The, this this is the Luke Walsh yeah. kind of bomb into the corner side. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Can you think of any better run to get than to cop them and the Titans? It didn't have a bad team then, but just but in that like, era, to get like, into to, the grand final, yeah. To, play, to, to, to get into the grand final in that era and not have to play Melbourne, Brisbane, Manly, Thurston's Cowboys, you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's a stunning yeah. run. I'm just looking at the top. This is the Titans side. They had to play in the preliminary, preliminary final, right? Mm. Preston Campbell, Kevin Gordon, Steve Michaels, Clinton Torpy, Will Zillman, Matt Rogers, Scott Prince, Luke Bailey, Nathan Friend, uh, LaFranchi, Bird, Minicello, Harrison... And then the bench, Henderson, Myers, Matthew White, and Bodine Thompson. It doesn't okay. scrum. There's some decent players in there, but it doesn't scrum preliminary final, does it? No, yeah. no, it's the best team they've ever had, but that's still yeah. a high bar. Um, Incidentally, no. the interesting point is that that Titans side beat the Tigers the week before this game. They beat them in round in the last round of the regular season, which cost the, the Tigers second place. Tigers would have had to play Canberra. 
and wouldn't yeah. have, when this match would never have happened. Anyway, uh, anything uh, anything else you want to chuck out about the the kind of I guess the the overall things that come out of the game? Yeah, yeah, we're quite, I think just Brett, just quickly, sort of the, probably the last thing in my notes is I just want to talk about the five eights. Yeah. Um, I think the contrasting fortunes of the five eights. I just think um, you know with everything that happened not long after this with Benji going to you know sort of gaining some weight and going to rugby and coming back a bit belted at the Saints and playing off the bench at the Broncos. I just think he's, I know he's made a bit of a renaissance now and it's sort of trendy to talk about Benji, Benji again, but I just think he's underrated by history, how good he was. I, I think there's never in the history of the game has there been a, a more raw and unpolished superstar player. I don't think anyone who's ever been at the peak best player in the world level, if you think of Thurston's, Johns's, Fittler's, Lockyer's in recent years, Sterling's and Wally yeah. Lewis's, all these sort of guys. I don't think there's ever been someone as raw and unpolished, like someone who was so chaotic, like, chaotic and just uncoached. And, yeah. yeah. And it came with hilarious up and downs because of that. <laughs> and if he hadn't have come with, the, if you didn't, you can't have what he did without having the kicks that go out on the full and the missed goals and the passes that go into touch, because that was part, like the fact that it was all off the top of his head and that it was, you know, so raw and uncoached and unstructured meant that it did break down in a way that certainly Thurston and Johnson, these guys didn't do. But I just think he's been underrated by history. I, it reminded me of how good he was, how dominant he was in early in that game with these line breaks. It reminds you, for those who, who don't remember, he won a World Cup um, around this era and the Tri-Nations. He, he won the World Cup playing against in a spine. His spine was Ohio. Uh, he had Lulawai and he had Nathan um, Fien. Um, yeah. He played against the Kangaroos with Billy Slater, Lockyer, Thurston and Cam Smith. And every man in his dog wants all of them to be immortalised. And Benji beat them with that spine in the World Cup final. He beat them in a Tri-Nations. He won a comp with the Tigers who don't win competitions. He, he took them up in games like this and was dominant on top of his game. There was a level, a couple of years there where they kept saying him and Thurston. It wasn't Thurston than him. It was him and Thurston, him and Thurston at that yeah. level. And I just think he's underrated a little bit by what happened later. And when the magic yeah. did die a bit, I think he's underrated by history. He's, he's, remembered, as a, he's remembered as a bit of a circus act when really, like he was a genuine. And what, what, what jumps out at me about this game is that even though he has quite a good game, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He just... The Tigers are winning the game by being a better side, and Benji is just—you know—he he just plays like a—he just plays like a good player in, in control of his team. He doesn't. There's no theatrics or drama, especially in the first half. Um, yeah, it's, he just seizes um, a couple of opportunities like a good player. He takes a couple of line yeah, breaks because they're on. He doesn't do anything mad. No. Yeah, that's right. None of the madness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's right. and 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 Todd Carney as well. I, I think you wanted to talk about him as as well a little bit. I. Can I make a suggestion that Todd Carney, at his best, would be the best halfback in the NRL right now if he was playing yep. like at this level? I, he's one of the more, certainly in the last 10 years, I think one of the more gifted players that, that have been running around and probably at his best, one of the best. Again, won't be remembered as such, but... Yeah, yeah. History deserves to record him as a, an outstanding footballer. Um, we've got this weird criteria now, and um, the longevity of a few of the Queenslanders and their records at, at Origin, and 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 at the fact that a few of them play for the Storm have clouded this a bit. Where all of a sudden you've got to have played thirty State of Origins, won four competitions, and, and played forty Test matches, or your stats don't add up, and played three hundred yeah. games. Yeah. And and you don't always have to do that, and plenty of people didn't, and Toddy didn't. 
Jeezy was good. Uh, I'm not saying he should be an immortal. I'm not saying you put him alongside those Thurston's, but he deserves to be remembered very fondly for what he did. He wasn't a guy who had a flash in the pan six months. He he was good at Canberra. He went away, came back at the Roosters and had had one of the great years in the competition history, every bit as good as the Hayne year or the Barber year or, yep. you know, a few of those things that stand out. He had this amazing season. Um, he came back at Cronulla after falling in trouble at East and he had a very good career there. Cronulla were a team that was down the bottom of the table and he took them into finals and they made runs in the finals during his time there. And it's really unfortunate and it sucks that, that, that his problems off the field got in the way because I, I agree with you. I think he was a top tier player. I think he, he actually, it's not like, Oh geez, he could have been a top tier player. I think he actually was one when he was, yes, on the so field. was. He was in that top class yep. and he played enough football. He didn't play 20 games. Like he played enough football to say that's who he was. I think he was in the class of anyone in the competition. And I just wish that, you know, he, he had a hung around because if, if he had got the other stuff together, I think he plays more origins and would have won a series. We went through years of picking Peter Wallace and Jared Mullen and all these guys and later down the track there was you know even a couple other weird posts Pierce he kept having to get picked when he wasn't playing well Hodkinson I think Carney would have played in plenty of those years I think he probably yeah. would have jagged a win in there he could have won for New South Wales he probably would have won a comp if he hung around playing footy for long a, enough being at Cronulla yeah. and he's a player who, we, who people like you and me who will enjoy attacking play and all that kind of stuff like you know Cooper Cronk undeniably one of the great halfbacks of the last little while but not, uh, I think it would be fair to say, not a huge bringer of like joy, you know, very good, very effective, yeah. a great winner, undeniably, but not a great like, not someone you go, oh, that was good. Like that was, you know, the ones that really get you standing up at a at a game. Um, but Carney, the guys think, that do that, Carney was one yeah. of those guys. You know, he was a he, he, and you see it in this game, the chip and chase, the bursting onto the ball, big moment in the game. Like he, he was an exciting talent. Yeah. What gets people to crowds, I've always thought. So Cooper Cronk, if you have one of the best teams in the competition, and this isn't a criticism, it's an admiration thing. If you have one of the best teams in the competition, Cooper Cronk is almost the best halfback you could get because what he can do is bring out the talent of other people, which is a very important part of watching people play. But what really can capture people's imaginations is someone who can take over a game and be the guy that that pulls it out and that can, you know, this East side wasn't a great side and he pulled this out in the last 20 minutes. And that's what Thurston did at the Cowboys. And especially early in, in the middle of his career, he didn't have those players and he pulled that out himself. It's something that Johns was able to do with, with Newcastle is that, Toddy had that, like his individual ability and his own brilliance. He, like Cooper, he can't do what Cooper Cronk do, could do, but Cooper Cronk couldn't have done what he did in this game either. They don't win that game. No, that's, there absolutely. That's a, it's, that's it's a really own, good comparison. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does things that, and and it is. It's not fair to how good some of those other guys are, but the capturing the imagination of, is what Carney could do. That the, the run and the chip kick and the the play and all these highlight reel plays. Hayne was one who could do that much more spasmodically than Carney yeah. probably, but um, who did things that just make you stand up. And, and he did that, and I think he did it enough to be remembered as a great player. Um, personally, I think he did it enough. He played State of Origin. He, he, he was in a grand final. He won a Dallium. I think he did enough that when you talk about who some of the great five eights or the great halves of the era, I just go, yeah, Todd Carney's in the group. He's in the group. He's not at the top, but he's in it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Well, Gazi, as ever, uh, we have gone way over time. Gone long. We, I think we've again managed to go longer than the match itself, which is a great achievement uh, and a tribute to what an incredible game this is. I, I didn't remember. Uh, quite how dramatic it was. I don't think you did either. Um, no. But uh, if you've made it this far, listeners, congratulations. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Gazzy, any final, any final comments? I think we've covered it all. 
Yeah, it's good to watch. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I can't wait to do it again. Yep. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be back in a in a few days' time with another one. But uh, until then, from the Rugby League Cemetery, Morgan Campbell and Luke Garrity signing off. There's a try in them. Thirty metres out from the line, and a strong. Oh, oh in heaven! is still down well Simon Dwyer has pulled off one of the big hits of the year and that tackle should win the Tigers this semi-final whoa how good's that